Welcome to the Topeka First Assembly podcast. We hope this message serves as an encouragement to you. If you would like to support us financially, you can do so online at www.topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. I want you to go back over into the book of Ezra in the Old Testament, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, you know, back in that area. And uh, have you ever been walking uh, through a mall or maybe on a promenade? You're going through, you walk down in those places. Now, it may have been a while for you, right? Uh, So you may not have done that much lately. Uh, But you're walking down there, you're only doing some window shopping, not necessarily there to buy anything, but you just want to relax and go out and walk. And and so you're out there and you're walking, and and you go along the the other stores and stuff that are beside you, and some of them have their doors wide open, uh, and uh, they're welcoming you in, they're inviting you in so that you can come and see all the stuff they have in their their store. Maybe it's a really high-end boutique, or maybe it's a hole in the wall. It could be all kinds of things. And so the only way that you can figure out what is inside is actually by walking in the door, right? You can look on the, online, right? And we do that today. You, you can pull something up online and see, but you still don't see uh, what it's really like until you walk in there. And God's people, Israel, now they've been gone from the promenade, so to speak, for quite a while, been 60, 70 years, and uh, they've been in exile, and God has opened the door for them uh, to be able to return to their hometowns and to worship again in a proper manner. Uh, and yet to see the open door and to walk through that open door are two different things, right? It's just two different things. And some of the old timers in Israel had, had been there before, the, but it was going to look different for them. We've talked about that, but many of the younger crowd hadn't seen, uh, hadn't been there, and they may have only heard the stories from the old timers. Well, this was what it was like back in the day. They got a couple generations out there now in Babylon, and 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 uh, so now they're they're coming back to that. And both of them had the opportunity to be able to walk down the promenade. They had that opportunity to be able to walk walk down it. And some people sim- uh, simply stroll down the sidewalk and they slip into a shop only to look uh, through what what they have. And others like to move quickly on the on the sidewalk, uh, and they like to fly in the store and fly out. I'm not sure what kind of person you are. Maybe you like to stroll, or maybe you like to get in and get out. Uh, it's kind of like with the Chi Alpha situation that we had here a couple weeks ago. We were trying to remediate some future problems after the, the initial damage was done, and Marshall and I, uh, who's over the Chi Alpha house, he, uh, we, went, we ran over to Menard's. And we had to go uh, purchase just a few things to be able to seal off the air from the area where it was coming in. And so uh, after a damaged sheetrock and all that kind of stuff, so we run over there. And unfortunately, I know that place fairly well. And uh, so uh, I took him over in my truck and uh, we got inside. Uh, I'm like, I'm, I'm... Running to where the where the uh, where the rack of uh, big uh, panel uh, dollies are and, and those kind of things, so we could pick up stuff. And we ran out to the barn, rolling that thing out, and then we got picked up what we needed there. We ran back inside. We looked for this thing and that thing, and ran over and got some plastic, got some screws, and 
And we got all the way to the front for some utility knives to try to uh, cut up this foam board to be able to seal things up. And we got up there, and then we get to the registers. He's like, I have never been through this place this fast in my life. <laughs> it's like, I like to get in and get out. And I said, well, I, I kind of know where stuff is because I've spent too much money there in trying to do a remodel on my own house. And so, but otherwise, you know, some, everybody does things differently. We, we all, uh, uh, some like to move fast, some like to uh, just to hang out a little bit. But the Lord has opened the door uh, for Israel to go back to their favorite place. And it was time for them to be able to build again. And Shezbazar, the prince, who has made his trip back and to check things out, he's brought a team of people with him. And, uh, and so he's done that, and uh, then they're, they're, now we can find Ezra, how he uh, records those who have come back uh, to, uh, to their hometowns. They're coming back to their, their hometowns, and, and really it's, this is important because he shows a key, group, a key groups that came back to build again. He, he's bringing these key groups back to be able to start over and to build again. And Ezra, we find it in here in Ezra chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. If you want to follow with me, he says this, Now these are the people of the province who came up from the captivity of the exiles, whom Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had taken captive uh, to Babylon. They returned to Jerusalem and Judea, each to their own town. So they're going back to the area, right? Judea is the area. A surrounding area, and verse 2 says, In company with Zerubbabel, Joshua, Nehemiah, Sarariah, uh, Reliah, Mordecai, Bilshan, Mizpar, Bigvi, Rehum, and Benaiah. So you say that about 30 times fast, but here he brings all these guys, all these people, and they don't list all the women and children. That's the way they did it back then. But if they did, that meant there would be a lot of people there that was coming back. And then it goes on to say the list of the men of the people of Israel. Then he lists a bunch of those people. I'm not going to read all those names. We'd all get bored. I'd go to sleep. It'd be bad. But anyhow, look at verse 21 with me. Verse 21 then says the men of Bethlehem. And then he goes through and he lists, uh, he lists other hometowns besides Bethlehem. And uh, then if you jump again into verse 36, uh, he talks about the priests. And uh, then he lists the priests by families and all that. Not going to read all those for you. And uh, then in verse 40, he says the Levites. Now, these guys, not going to read all the rest of that one, but uh, these guys were associated with the public worship. That's what they did. That was their part. That was their lot. Uh, as they were called by God in. And then and you see verse 41 as well. Verse 41, we have the musicians. Uh, we won't go through all that, but these guys were the descendants of Asaph. Uh, now, if you remember anything about Asaph, if you know your Bible back in the Psalms, you're going to hear about him, right? Uh, and, and so you're going to see him there. The, these guys were the, uh, they, they were the writers. They were the songwriters. They were the musicians, and that was their part. That's what they did. And uh, so then, then you jump over into verse 43. It's the temple servants. Th these guys helped, helped the Levites in the temple worship by cutting wood and carrying water 
uh, some of those basic jobs that needed done around the temple and, and such, and maybe we could call them those who took care of the facilities. I, I don't know what you want to call them, but, but they were there to take part. It, we even find over in Joshua chapter 9, verse 27, that it calls the Gibeonites cutters of wood. They were actually temple uh, servants, and they, they carried water. Okay. I understand all that. It's Old Covenant stuff. It's part of the Old Testament. But we also see what's happening there uh, as we correlate it to us in our lives in this day and age. And, uh, and uh, so they, they really were coming back for proper worship at the temple. And uh, sure, it, it was for the, that old time. But yet, even though we can worship in spirit and truth as individuals in today under the New Covenant... Even though we can do that, uh, we have to recognize that we belong to a body of believers. And it's good to be, belong to the body of believers. Amen? It really is. It's wonderful to be part of a, the house of God, about the household of God. And, and we also recognize that our, our public worship is essential too. It's important. It's, it's imperative. It's something that we must have. We need to be able to engage with one another uh, to our Heavenly Father and engage Him in worship. And, uh, it's, and, and you know, I, I like this passage uh, over in Hebrews chapter 10. You, you see it on the screen in verse 24 to 25. And, and it says this. It says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And, and then he goes on, uh, and, and, and he says this, not giving up meeting together as some of you are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. As you know, I realize we're in times that are significant, and for some they have to be able to protect themselves uh, in, in a difficult way, in a different way, because many have had to stay home for sure. And so I'm not being here to be throwing a guilt trip by any means. That is not what I'm doing. Really what I want us to focus on in that verse for just a moment is these, these words. And he says, he says this, and really he says it, it's a positive sense. He says, consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. And then he says, but encouraging one another. So we need to be able to spur one another on. We need to encourage one another. Those are some of the things that we need to do. Let's, let's jump back to, to Ezra here. Uh, th this wasn't a one-person show. I, I've got three things for you, and the first one is this. This wasn't a one-person show for them. And it's the same for us as well. It, it took a team to do the ministry of public worship for them. It took a team to be able to serve together. They, they weren't simply rebuilding the city, although that was part of it. Uh, they, they weren't just simply rebuilding the city, but they, they would have been challenged, they would have been uh, challenged by that in itself. They had to redo the walls, build the walls, and get everything back in order that they had to. But sure, and we understand that had been tough. And, you know, they had to have a safe place to live, right? Have to have food and water, right? You have to have find a, the brook to get your water, a well or something like that. You have to have those things, and all of those things are important. But the big part for God's people was to worship again. 
It was to worship again. And for them at that point, it, it, that included the public worship. And even for us, it includes that as well. But they had to worship again. And the people of Israel knew that they had strayed away from God and they were exiled because of it. We know that's what they were experiencing. The Old Testament is very plain that that's what they faced at that time. And now they're coming back to worship God in a fresh way. And, and it's going to take a team of people to reestablish what has been lost. It, will, it takes teamwork. If you look at the different people that he mentions with purpose, uh, that they were part of that team to rebuild. If you'll see all of those that we, that we talked about, you see the main staff leaders there. You see Zerubbabel, you see Joshua and Nehemiah. Those guys, we know they're there. We're expecting that they're going to take part because they're part of the leadership. And then everybody assumes that these guys are going to be part of the rebuilding process. Uh, but then you have the guy named Shazbazar. I, I, th I think we, we should, everybody should na name their kid Shazbazar. That's just a wonderful name. Uh, and so this guy's the prince, right? And so he's going to be part of all this. And, and we see that from chapter one. So we expect this guy is going to take part in it. It's just a given, right? But, but Ezra records the other, other key players in this ministry or this service of rebuilding the public worship. And some people think of it, uh, think of it right away. They, they know who needs to do what. And they understand the fact that if you don't have the priest, they can't do the sacrificial worship properly. They just couldn't do it back then. They had to be part of that. And they also realize that you can't do the public worship if no one carries the water and cuts the wood. Why? They needed that. They needed those practical things to be able to do the proper sacrifice for the Lord. That's what they had to do at that time. They needed those things. So how are they going to worship God without musicians and singers? How are they going to do that without those who have the ability to lead in that fashion? Who's going to open the doors up? Who's going to get the doors open? It takes a team. All of those things matter. Each and every component, each and every person matters in the kingdom of God. And the same goes for us today. We have a great natural example of working together. It's really those amazing birds we call geese, right? Uh, geese, they really are pretty cool. And uh, maybe... Maybe you like them because you hunt them, I don't know. Or maybe you just like them because you like to hear them. Uh, and it's always needed. To, it's the change of the seasons, right? When we hear those things, that we hear them uh, honking and all the things that they do. We see them land and all that. And, and you ever notice those that are, there's just like uh, maybe three or four of them together at a time. Well, there's something special about these geese and their flight pattern. And those in the front, they rotate their leadership out because they're taking that headwind on. And that when one when one lead goose gets tired, it's going to change the places with the, with another one in the V formation. So another one can take that lead. And then you have, the flock creates this updraft of air uh, current for the, the other geese right behind them. They say that in flying together in that V that raises their ability to move like that 71%. That's pretty cool. Teamwork makes the dream work. 
They put, they put it together, and it's a natural thing that they realize. And then, then when one goose gets sick or wounded, the two fall out of formation and follow it down to help protect it. I think that's pretty cool. There they are on the ground. So when you just see just a few like that, you may think, hey, and if you see them sticking around for a while, hey, they're probably protecting their own. And they stay with that goose, that wheat goose, until they are able to get up and fly again. And then the geese in the back, they're the ones who honk. They're the noisemakers. Could you imagine that? Have you ever been the one in the back that honks all the time? Maybe I shouldn't say that. <laughs> well, uh, and they're the, it's kind of like they're saying, we're back here, we're following you guys up front. Uh, we're around, so we're, this is a team thing, and so we're there doing that. And so they, they, can, they can be there, they, they're either they're rotating or they're flapping their wings or they're helping others or they're, they're making the noises in the back to say you guys can do it. But even for us as a body, we're, we're working towards building again. We're, we're moving forward as we follow Jesus in this world that we live in. Amen. We, we, need, we will need greeters. Got some out there today. We'll need greeters, we'll need ushers and those who serve children to step back in and to find their places. We'll even need those who can flap their wings. What does that mean? I don't know, but it means something. <laughs> we all have different things that we have to do. Maybe that's for those helping in facilities as we move forward building again. We don't have maintenance anymore. Our main man, uh, uh, Vern, retired during COVID, and so now we're on our own. So if anything's broken, it's up to you and I. And so it's, it's uh, one of those things that, hey, whatever we have to do, we have to do. So uh, to, together, uh, we are all called to serve, and we can see our public worship rise to the place that the Lord rests, that the Lord uh, uh, desires in that place where he wants to work in our lives. And, and we can expect that God will work in us. It, it's not a, a one or even a five-man show. We serve together. Because we all, we all serve the, uh, the Lord and he has a plan for each and every one of us. In worship and service, everybody takes part to encourage one another. It's so important. For me as a pastor, one of the big things that I feel that's very important is that every believer encourages another person. Every believer needs to be encouraged. We should never be able to say, you know what, no one said anything to me because if another believer encouraged you, that is very important. We should all be able to say, we've encouraged somebody this week. We've reached out to somebody because we are the body of Christ. We are followers of Jesus, and we have an opportunity to encourage one another and to spur one another while we see that day approaching, because that day will approach, friends. The day of the Lord will come. But while we are waiting, we need to be those who are willing to step out of our comfort zone and to be able to share life and love with others around us. Now, there, there's something else that we find back in the book of Ezra, chapter 2, verse 68 and into 70. Uh, it seems really interesting to find what Ezra records here. And some of this we, we found last week, uh, but some of it uh, you may not have even noticed. I'm not sure. Uh, and if you've uh, been a person that has read through the Scripture, 
uh, and uh, you know some of the Old Testament as well, you'll see some interesting things there. But, but the second thing is this, it's, uh, giving is more than just handing something over. It's investing. Giving is more than just handing something over. It's investing. And look at, look at what Ezra says here in chapter 2, verse 68. He says, When they arrived at the house of the Lord in Jerusalem, some of the heads of the families gave freewill offerings toward the rebuilding of the house of God on its site. And then in verse 69, According to their ability, they gave to the treasury for his work. And then he goes through and he gives some details there. I'm not going to go through all of the detail, but uh, then you see what he says in verse 70. He says that the priests, the Levites, the musicians, we, we read about those earlier, right? Uh, the gatekeepers and the temple servants settled in their own towns along with some of the other people and the rest of the Israelites settled in their towns. They all, ha they all found their place. They were getting ready. They were settling in. They were finding, okay, it's time to be able to settle in here and, and get things going. And they didn't only come back, but they invested themselves according to their ability. Not according to somebody else's ability. They weren't look, keeping up with the Joneses, were they? Have you ever got in that mentality before? I've got to keep up with the Joneses. Look what they got. I've got to do what they've got to do, you know? Or, or look at the gifts this person has. I have to be able to do what they're doing. No, no, they did it according to their ability. The gifts that they gave back to the Lord, it was according to their ability. Their free will offerings were that way. But really, in some ways, they were investing in the future of what God was going to do. Why does it matter? It matters because a, a Jerusalem needed to be there when Jesus came. It's significant. It's there now, right? It's a nation again, right? It wasn't for a while, but it is now. It's a nation again. And it will be there when he returns again. You can mark that down on your calendar. We just don't know which one it is. You'll get it, yeah. So the people of God, they, they weren't simply just giving. They, they had a lot to give and they gave it. They didn't have, uh, and if they didn't have much, they gave what they were able to. So one thing they did was to invest according to their ability and giving is more than just throwing money at God to say, here you go, God. Now, most people wouldn't do it that way, but sometimes that's what happens Sometimes there are those who like to give to missions. They will give to missions because it eases their conscience and they don't want to have to go. It's true. We see it. And there are those that give, give to missions because they know of the value and they know that it's going to impact the lives of other people and that's why they give to missions. So it's the difference between throwing money at God is one attitude and the other attitude is giving of themselves because they know it matters. I remember a man that uh, down in, uh, in, when we lived in Texas, I won't say his name, but uh, he was down and he since passed away, but he wanted to go so bad. He wanted to go in missions so bad, but he was not able to physically because of his uh, ailments that he had and so that man, something that he did is he gave every day of his life pretty much back to the Lord into missions. 
He did that because he knew how important it was. He wasn't just throwing his money to God as a gesture, oh God, here you are. No, he gave of himself because he cared. That's what he did. Giving is more than just money too. And truly giving is investing ourselves in what God wants to do in this world. And when the team came and they used their time uh, uh, last Tuesday and they handed out the boxes as they did to our community, uh, they were being givers. Even though that they hadn't paid for those boxes, well, their tax dollars did in that sense, and well, for some of it, some of it was donated by a major donor. And so we understand, but they still gave their time, and giving of their time was an investment. And that's what we want to do. We want to be people who are servants. Not, we don't, we're not looking for greatness, friends. We don't need greatness. That's not, I don't think that's the Lord's desire is greatness. All he's asking for is people who are servants and willing. He just wants us to be willing to serve him faithfully. Uh, the, the, the priests, uh, the Levites, the musicians, the gatekeepers, and the temple servants settled down. These people were willing to invest themselves by settling down to, to make investment. And they realized that worshiping God was a key part of their lives. And their worship and service would impact the lives of others around the world. And when you, when you settle down to invest, it will give you the chance to make an impact in the lives of other people around you. Isn't that wonderful? That's a great thing to be able to invest. And that's why, and I, I know I'm kind of uh, comparing missions here, but, but in some sense, that's why short-term missions is good to a point. But long-term missions is significant and important if we're going to make a long-term impact in the world. And it goes the same for the local church. Doing short-term things that we do are good and they can be beneficial. But are we willing to do the long-term? Are we willing to run for the long haul and see God do something in our world? If we're always running to and fro to uh, and unsure about what we're doing uh, in our walk with Christ, it may cause others to feel the same about their faith. So we all must be examples in following Christ and, and getting so solid and rooted and grounded so that we can move forward and, and uh, see life change in this world that we live in. We want to settle ourselves down and invest ourselves in what God is going to be doing here. I believe He is going to do some things here. And as we open our hearts to Him, I think we will see them. But we must take part in them as well. Become an investor. Become an investor. A person who is willing to invest. Investing can be a foreign idea to some people. Uh, if it is to you, it's, it's a time to learn, right? If investing is not your thing, investing is not gambling, nor is it, uh, it's not a game of chance, but uh, may, maybe risky investing is betting, but uh, true investing is taking a calculated risk, and uh, it's when we are willing to take a risk to invest love into someone else's life. 
if we share the message of Christ into their life and we invest in them, it is making a serious investment. It's when we take the risk to share the gospel to somebody who hasn't experienced that or if they for some reason have walked the other direction that we can invest that into their lives as well. And it may mean that we need to step out of our comfort zone. I don't know about you, but I like my comfort zones. Uh, maybe you're like me. I, I like to be able to uh, sit in the chair and, and put my feet up once in a while. It's good to rest, right? We all have to do that at times. And, but we like our comfort zones, but sometimes we have to be willing to step out of that to see God work. Uh, Warren Buffett, he's uh, one of those uh, great investors, and uh, he says this. He says, invest for the long term. And he also says, patience is the key in the kingdom of God. For us, in the kingdom of God, we, we must invest for the long term for people's souls, and we must be willing to be patient when our investment hasn't come together yet, right? Sometimes it takes a while. And your investment will produce fruit in time. It will produce fruit and just keep watering it, keep praying, keep cultivating, keep putting some fertilizer down. The third thing is here we see this morning is this, as they started to rebuild the altar. It's interesting. They started the altar before they started the temple, right? There's a purpose and there's a reason. It was the center of worship, right? It, it was, they couldn't have the highest holy days. They couldn't have what uh, the, the, uh, uh, the day of atonement without the altar. They needed those things, those, those God-given tools for them at that time. That's what they were responsible to have there. And, and they knew it was important. So we find in Ezra chapter 3, uh, and you can look with me here. In Ezra 3, 1, it says, When the seventh month came and the Israelites had settled in their towns, the people assembled together as one in Jerusalem. They came back together. And then Joshua, son of Josadak, and his fellow priests, and Zerubbabel, son of Sheltiel, and his associates began to build the altar of the God of Israel to sacrifice burnt offerings on it. What they were putting that back together so that they could give heartfelt, honest worship to God. And then in verse 3, he says this. He says, despite their fear, the, their fear of the peoples around them, they built the altar on its foundation and sacrificed burnt offerings on it to the Lord, both the morning and the evening sacrifices. Then we jump over to verse 4 and, and a little bit, and it says they, sac they celebrated the Feast of Tabernacles. And then if you jump over to verse 5, it says, After that they presented the regular burnt offerings. And then over in verse 6, it says this, On the first day of the seventh month, they began to offer burnt offerings to the Lord, though the foundation of the Lord's temple had not yet been laid. Hadn't been laid down yet. But they knew where their priorities stood. They knew what they needed to focus on. They needed to focus on one thing and one thing alone, and that was worshiping the one true living God. And we must be the type of people who focus ourselves on the one true living God. When, while, we were, while we were standing or sitting this morning as we were worshiping the Lord, as our, as our singers and musicians led us in worship, 
I hope that you were focusing yourself on the thing that really mattered. Because the only thing that really mattered, didn't matter which song we sang, didn't matter how the piano was, was played or tuned or if one of those keys is broken or not, right, as it is. It didn't matter if there were some other things, but what really mattered is when we were engaging ourselves in the key to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. When we were focusing ourselves on Him because that is what matters in our life. We must keep our hearts and our minds open to our Lord and we must focus on what matters. The other things, those things come along in time. But we see the people of God here and they came back and they settled in and they started reestablishing the very basics of public worship. And see, it was one thing to worship on their own, but now they had the opportunity to come together again. See, while they were in Babylon, they were separate from the regular altar. They were separate from the temple. They didn't have all the tools that they had before. Why? Because Nebuchadnezzar took that stuff. He stole it from them. And then finally, the, the, the new king, he, he passes some of that stuff back out to them so they could do uh, proper worship again. They didn't simply build the altar, though. They made their sacrifices on, their altar, on the altar to the Lord both morning and evening. It was not enough for them to simply build again. It just was not enough for them only to build. That, that wasn't enough. They had to engage and worship again. And, and you and I must build our church and its ministries again, but it isn't enough simply to build. We must worship and we must worship Him together. Amen. Praise God. That's what we must do. And there's something in Ezra chapter 3, verse 3, uh, that you need to notice here, if you haven't already, it says, despite their, the, their fear of the peoples around them, they built the altar. They did it anyway. They had those who got in their way in the building, and they had to overcome their fear and build the altar of, of God anyway. And the, there are times in our lives that we let fear get in our way, and we understand there's wisdom uh, as well, God does give us fear for a purpose. Fear is not totally a bad thing unless it controls our life. And, and uh, so sometimes it's a fear of what others are going to say. Other times it's fear of what we think will happen if we do something. And then the fear of repercussions can paralyze us. But we need to be willing to worship in spite of the fear that many face. And you may be willing to go to the altar or you must be willing to go to the altar no matter what others think or say. Just a reality. I don't know. I, I don't know about you, but I've worked some of those jobs where uh, they, they didn't think it was a great thing that I was a person that was following Jesus and was going to, uh, going to worship on Sunday. What are you doing? Oh, look at that guy. It's all fine. Then they call you and say, would you pray for me? <laughs> when they find out they, they need God and they, they need Him. It's through worship that, that we meet God face to face. It's at the altar where we meet Him. It's when you are making the sacrifice of your heart to God that He crashes into your world. It's in those places when you offer yourself to Him. 
And too many people in, in, in our day and age aren't quite willing to come forward to seek God always. Why? Some don't think that, they, uh, that, that God really wants to bother with your problems. I've heard that. Uh, I was like, oh, what, what does God care about my needs? He does care about your needs. He cares about you as an individual. He cares about your family. He cares about every detail of your life. Others don't want their neighbors to think they have problems. I think, I think probably every person that served in pastoral ministry at one time has heard that before, right, Robert? We've all heard that. I don't, I don't, want, I don't want to come and be prayed for, then everybody will see me. That's okay, don't worry about that. Tell them it'll be okay. Maybe they need to come too. But when it comes to building again, we're, we're going to have to worship before the Lord at His altar. It's more than just this place up here. But if we, if we don't, we'll be left aside to follow our own devices. What did they do there? What did, what did they do? Well... They're in Ezra. They brought sacrifices. That's what they were doing. They were celebrating. They were worshiping God. That's what they did. And now we understand Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice for our sin. But sometimes we miss out on the other side of that. Though we too are to offer ourselves up to Him. Romans chapter 12 verse 1 says this. He says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Each and every one of us need to be able to offer ourselves to God as a living sacrifice, saying, God, here I am as I am. Yes, you can work in my life. Yes, you can work through my life but we must offer ourselves to Him that He may do in us what He wants to do. And as we wrap this up this morning, it, it comes down to, to what Peter says as well. Peter knew what sacrifice was. He knew what it was about as well. And he says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, in these words he says, You also, like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. My question to you is, are you willing to offer yourself to Him again today? Are you willing to say, God, here I am and I need you to work in my life? Lord, here I am and I offer everything that I have to you because I am yours, I'm not my own. I'm giving myself as a living sacrifice to you because I don't have anything else. Or because I do have a bunch of other stuff. But I lay that aside so that I may have you. What do we gain if we gain the whole world and lose our soul, right? Nothing. Will we gain eternity? Yeah. But not the kind of eternity that we want. But if we gain, we will gain eternity on the other side too if we choose to follow Him and follow Him in faith. And we'll be in His presence. One is separation. The other is His presence. 
But don't misunderstand me. It's not only for those who have not yet come to faith in Christ. It's for those of us who have served the Lord. It's also for those of us that have walked with Him. And we've allowed Him to work in our lives at times, but the fact is, is what He did yesterday in our life is not enough for us today. We need Him working in our lives today. We need His power working in our lives, and it comes one way, by offering ourselves as a living sacrifice to Him. Would you stand with me this morning? I want to challenge that you with this, these words this morning. For you online as well, you can, make, you can say that prayer this morning and say, God, I am offering myself to you as a living sacrifice, everything I have. I want to do your will. And for us that are here in this place together, let's do the very same thing. Let's offer ourselves up to the Lord and say, Lord, I am willing to allow you to work in my life. I am giving you myself as I am. No matter how weak, no matter how strong, no matter how bound up or how free we are, we can give ourselves up to Him and allow Him to work in our lives. Jody and I are going to be down here for prayer and a couple others are going to be down here as well. I will be glad to pray for you, but it goes more than that. Yeah, we'll, we'll pray for any needs you have or if, even celebration if you have something you want to celebrate. But whether you come down here or whether you're at your seat, I want to challenge you to look to him in faith and say, today is the day, Lord, I am offering myself to you. Everything I have, everything I am, that you may work in my life and that you may do your will. I'm offering myself as a living sacrifice. Why don't you pray with me this morning? I want to pray with you. I don't want to put words in your mouth. You need to pray on your own. And you need to say, God, here I am in your own way. And allow him to work in your life. Father, we offer ourselves to you this morning. Lord, I offer myself to you. Lord, as I am, Lord God, everything that I have, everything that I am, I offer myself to you. Father, I ask you to let your will come, your kingdom come, and your will be done in my life. I offer myself as a sacrifice to you. Lord, we offer everything we have to you. Father, we need you more than anything. Will you work in us? Will you finish the work in us that you have started, Lord? Would you finish that work in the way that you desire to finish it? Father, would you cause your plan to, to move forward in the way that you want it to be done, not in our ways, not according to our own plans, not according to our own ideas, to where we box you in and say, God, yeah, if you do this, I'll be okay with that. But Lord, that's not what we're saying here today, Lord. We're saying, God, here we are. We give you a blank ticket to ride on it what you want to ride on it, Lord. We offer ourselves to you this morning, Lord. We give everything we have to you, Lord. May you let your kingdom come in us. May you let your will be done in us. 
just like Peter who gave it all for you like Paul like John boiled in oil like each one of those each one of those disciples gave everything to you Lord we give it all to you today in Jesus name